Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. You must be pondering some fantasy sports questions. Well, good news, because you just turned into another episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers with John and Paul. Well, here we are, another week, and this is a sad week, for we have to play each other in this week. (laughs) It's been a rough stretch. (laughs) It was a weird week last week, though. Did anyone else notice how many points were scored in general league-wide? I had no. I don't can't remember last week where I've seen more really high quality plays available right. for a lot of people's teams. I mean, our league that we're in together, massive point scoring all the way across the board. Everyone did a really good job picking lineups, so it makes it real competitive in weeks like last week. Yeah, I mean, just the history of our league and how competitive it is. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm liking the way things are going. Um, I'm in a little bit better luck than you in most leagues, so it's always good too. <laughs> A little, little bit of that's good. Whenever you have, like, record high points scored against you, where you're almost, like, 40%. I mean, about 40%. Let's not get too crazy here. But I'm looking at actually over 15% more points scored against me on this year in one of my leagues than anybody else, which feels pretty bad. It's the equivalent of me playing, like, the first-place person every week. In this league, it's been – my schedule has been play the top four people in our league in back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks, so it's also made it pretty hard to make a run and get up ahead in the record standpoint. Yeah, but that's what all you can do. Like you can't control so many of these things whenever you're playing against people, and that's what the perspective I would preach if anyone's struggling is try to get your lineup to score more consistently. Try to aim for players that you can put in your lineup that you can project have a high floor to give you some stability, and then just hope that you run into some situations where luck will be on your side. Because the only thing you can control is how many points that your team can score, and even that's a bit of a stretch. Yep, I like it. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers, where we stay true to our name and we have a segment that's devoted to that. Keepers being people that uh, believe in the last week, we think they're worth owning, um, or they had a bad week, still believe in them. Sleepers being people that aren't owned enough, and uh, you should keep a strong eye on them, or just go ahead and pick them up based on the way they're performing. Creepers being people that just had a fluky week, and it's time to deal them, um, or if they're having couple of sequential bad weeks, then it's time to cut cut your loss with them, sadly. And that's kind of the name of the show. That's how we go. And then we got some other segments thrown in there for you. But focusing on the, the week-to-week more so than the season-long um, outlook as we do for baseball and basketball. So with that being said, we are going to do Keeper, Sleeper, and Creeper for wide receiver, running back, and quarterback regularly for you. And where do you want to start this week, John? Um... I kind of like to start at running back. What do you say? Let's do it. Um, which aspect of running back? Uh, I'm going to start with a creeper for me this okay. week. And it's going to be a guy named Melvin Gordon. And so I think this needs a little bit of clarification because I don't, I'm not looking at Melvin Gordon from a season-long standpoint and saying, he's, it's over, he's doomed. But I'm just looking at it from the logical standpoint. He's been out of football for a while. He's been holding out, and he hasn't been around the practice facilities. He skipped all of preseason and training camp. And he got off to a bit of a slow start in this first game. I don't think he gets back and completely right in game shape and ready to go this week either, just from that standpoint of getting in shape. Um, But he will be playing and should be getting a bigger snap distribution this week, especially because game flow kind of moved him out. Eckler had tons of receptions last week, if you didn't notice, um, in a game where the Chargers offense was not very effective. Um, They were throwing a lot very much underneath. Keenan Allen only had like 18 yards receiving or something really surprisingly low. Denver's defense is a good defense in general. I know a lot of preseason rankings had them around the top five, so I'm not overly surprised to see a little bit of a struggle, but I was surprised at how effective. But I'm looking at Gordon as a person that will struggle against Pittsburgh's defense, and Eckler will still stay highly involved, so I think his ceiling's a little bit limited. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he'll probably end up closer to 50 yards, and you just have to hope for a touchdown this week. Um, from the rushing standpoint. And Eckler's dominating the pass receptions, so I doubt he gets a ton of receptions thrown his way either on early downs. But I think he's a a buy-low candidate. So I think he's a person after this week, he should have his carries ramp up. He should be feeling better and more in-game shape. I think he'll start to produce better as the season goes along. Yeah. And I agree with what you're saying. I I feel very uneasy starting him this week. However, he does have that ceiling that kind of hangs there because they love him and he's going to get his volume. Although he's not ever been too efficient with it, but yeah, I could easily see him walking away from this week with a bigger stat line than me and you predict. 
But either way, I just don't feel easy about it. Mm-hmm. If you play him in the flex, I don't think you'll be hurting. No. But I think a lot of ranking sites might have him slightly higher than that. It just that. depends on how deep or shallow your league is. and mm-hmm. there, there may be more comfortable plays. Um, exactly. I'll go with my creeper. And it's a guy that I really, really like. And he just looks great when he runs the ball. He finds the hole so well. Me and you are so impressed with him sometimes. And But just with this back injury kind of coming up right now and just such a tough schedule ahead... Um, if he were to play in Atlanta, David Johnson, this is the guy I'm speaking of. Um, I like it. Atlanta is a good matchup. Um, but if the back really limits him during practice this week, I'm kind of straying away from him in this matchup this week. Um, he's a matchup proof player for sure, but if he's a little bit limited, he they just did play the Bengals, so he, I mean he, they made it look yeah. real easy there. Yeah, but yeah. Bengals are quite bad. Right. So Back injuries are tough. I mean, yeah. you never know how it's going to affect you and how bad it is. If it's just a little tight, maybe he's okay. Right. But if he's actually in pain from a back injury, it's going to affect everything. It's just something to monitor. Yeah. Um, if he practices, you know, limited, 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 and it's sounding the reports are good and they're just going to manage his reps, then sure. But if it's a more legit back injury than what we want to see, then I, I don't feel too easy with him. Yeah. Especially with game flow. I mean, Atlanta knows how to score points, right. even though the record is terrible this season, surprisingly. Right. Uh, Matt Ryan's been airing it out a lot. And so I imagine that he could get game flowed out more than usual, especially if his snaps are being limited a bit. I mean, he's always involved in the pass game, so it helps him quite a bit there. But, yeah. Yeah. It, there is a little bit of a lower floor than normal on him this week. I agree. Cool. Where are we going now? So I'm going to move on to sleepers. All right. I'm going to say Carlos Hyde. I'll agree with you. Owned in 67% of leagues. He's the sort of guy I was mentioning a little bit earlier in the podcast where I think he's just a very low ceiling but a high floor play. And in a matchup like this against Kansas City, I think there's a real potential that he exceeds um, his most of his normal ceilings in matchups. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's not to like? I mean, he's had over 10 carries in every game this year. And he's had over 20 in two games with mm-hmm. two touchdowns. I think he is the definition of bland but effective. Right. And as a flex play, I think you could do much worse. You ask what's not to like, and the answer is Carlos Hyde. But <laughs> Touche. <laughs> this, well played, yes. In this yes. situation, like everything you said is so true. I got him listed as a sleeper, too, from our collective player pool. Kansas City giving up 5.3 yards per carry. That's just insane. And, and Houston is... If they're smart, they're going to follow the same template Indianapolis just had. Of course, it's, yeah. it's a little bit different, and uh, we're going to see a little bit more points put up on both sides. But they're going to try to make Carlos Hyde do what Marlon Mack just did. And coming off 21 carries with an astonishing 60 yards that he accumulated <laughs> on those 21 carries. I mean, astonishing. Yeah. Woo. But yeah, uh, land. you translate 21 carries into Kansas City, maybe he walks away with 80 yards and a couple scores this game. Yeah, I can see it. Absolutely. I mean, he's the red zone guy in this offense. Duke Johnson will always be involved. And I know they want to air it out because that's where most of their talent's at on their roster. Mm -hmm. But but like you said, there's no way you try to get into a shooting match with Mahomes on purpose. You're going to lose so often that way. So you have to control the clock. You have to keep them off rhythm and uh, get their defense tired so that you can take advantage of them in the fourth quarter. And Hyde's the way to do that. Well, then who the heck are we keeping this week? I think I'm keeping Le'Veon Bell. I'm right there with you. He's a guy that I think a lot of people might be panicking on because his ceiling has been low this season. I think it will remain that way um, for a couple of different reasons. But he's a safe running back one. I mean, if you're looking for volume, he's got it. Yeah. He's involved in the pass game. He's involved in the run game. Darnold coming back is only going to help the offense. I mean, I understand... Darnold is Darnold. I wouldn't say that he's an amazing upgrade necessarily in the aspect of their whole offense is going to be transcendent now. But he's had over 15 carries and over four catches in every game this year. And as long as their offensive line continues to struggle as badly as it does, it'll limit his upside, but that doesn't mean his floor won't be any good. Um, Based on what pro football folk or pro football i'm sorry football outsiders were ranking a lot this week i took a look at them through week five and they're the worst offensive line for the jets in both adjusted sack rate and uh, adjusted 
line yards. So it's basically saying that their run deep, their run offensive line is the worst in the National Football League, based on a couple of factors and also at giving up sacks. So pretty below average offensive line for the Jets will continue to limit Le'Veon Bell throughout this whole season, but I think he will always be a low ceiling running back one unless it's against like maybe the Chicago defense or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. When we saw this name on the list, I, I wanted to say he's a keeper. Um, they have a very good schedule, the Jets do, for running the football. Even Dallas, who's given up now 4.4 yards per carry per tote. Um, of course, Aaron Jones made that a little bit worse, but still they weren't shut down by any means prior. Um, yeah, when we looked at the stats um, online of different lines, it just unanimously, and this is crazy because I don't even know what it looks like after we watch the Bengals all the time since it's <laughs> yeah. our uh, you know, Cincinnati, that's who they play. How can they look worse than that offensive line if the Jets are unanimously ranked lower than that? It must be hot garbage. So my take on him as a keeper is he's got tons of volume. This is a plus matchup, actually, for him. However, this Jets team is awful. And yeah, truly. I mean, I wouldn't have ever picked him where he's at, but now that you got him, you, you really are just going to lose value in trades, and then... He's got way too much value for him to bench, so he's just a keeper. Mm-hmm. You're stuck with that now. And I don't know exactly what you're expecting. I wasn't excited to draft him in anything. No. I mean, you would have hoped that the O-line was a little better, where you might get like a 100-yard upside on 21 carries or something on every other week, if you were hoping for that. But that offense is just not good enough to give him enough touchdowns to right. match his... And I don't think Darnold makes that big of a difference when he gets back in no. uh, for Le'Veon Bell. Not with the weapons they have. I mean, no. Crowder's an underneath guy, and Anderson's the over-the-top guy. But both of them have shown... And Demarius Thomas is the old weaknesses. guy. <laughs> and then you got the old guy. <laughs> the old compliment. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking at a C-tier wide receiving core with not a lot of excitement with those guys, if I'm looking at it. But Le'Veon's their, their hoss, their workhorse. So as long as he's in that team, I think he's the one to rely on. Yeah, for sure. All right, then. Let's move on. Let's but to it. where, one might ask. That is a really good question. I chose last time. How would you go this time? Well, let's just do uh, wide receivers. Just knock out the two really cool ones, huh? Yeah. Right off the get-go. Um, Keep everybody hooked. Well, we just mentioned creeper first, right? We did. Mm-hmm. So now you choose sleeper keeper first. Um, I'm going to go with my sleeper. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to go with Will Fuller. Um, he's owned in 78% of leagues. Had an enormous game last week. Holy moly, I wasn't ready for that. 217 receiving yards, three touchdowns. I think he had like 14 targets, 12 catches or something, if I remember. 16 targets. 16 targets, 14 catches. Sorry about that. And uh, a lot of people probably didn't play him last week. <laughs> that wouldn't have been a really uh, pushing real hard for people to put him in the lineup. He was pretty bland uh, early on in the season. I mean, he was getting enough targets to warrant value for sure. But he's a deep threat, and he's going to have these big games like this. Maybe not quite like this, but going forward, it'll be a way to have it. And if you're ever going to see that, it's going to be in this Kansas City game, is the way I see it. So I, can, I think he's definitely got to roll back out there after such a big game. Uh, the only thing is Hopkins' involvement in the offense will improve. It's just a matter of how much. And I think the breakout's coming, and it might be even in this game. But I don't think there's any way you can bench him again this week, considering he's getting about seven targets a game, up to about 12-ish is probably a good expectation for his high involvement games. I think they'll be doing more, more ball control with Hyde, but I think Fuller will put up at least a good game. See, I, I don't have that same faith at all. Um, really? No, and we, we talked about last week, Hell, this was going to be the coming out party for DeAndre Hopkins. If it isn't, we're going to get scared. Well, I mean, realistically, it came and it went, and he got you about eight points standard. Um, and I'm still not scared. We know Nuck's going to get his, and he's going to be the primary option in this this passing attack. Mm-hmm. And it just really, Atlanta is so bad. And, I mean, the game script beforehand, if you were playing a flex and or a third wide out in your lineup, yeah, I would have said, actually, Will Fuller, because this is just such good game flow, because Atlanta is just about horrible. I think they're the second worst when it comes to receiver points and and it just game flow and and history repeated itself in this one and will for reaped the benefits so i actually slotted him down as my creeper just because 16 targets more than doubles any of his prior totals uh going down to his lowest three and this is also a game where kiki cootie had 72 yards receiving so i mean this is just a 
Like, nobody was playing defense for Atlanta, <laughs> and that's pretty much. True. And, and Nuck is going to get his. He's going to be, by the end of the season, for sure, the number one guy in this offense. And um, even against Kansas City, I think I think everybody predicted Indianapolis in Kansas City. There's going to be a lot of points up. The line for that game was a gigantic. Did not play that way. Um, Houston and Kansas City, both two more explosive offenses. But when you have this template now on how to beat Mahomes a little bit uh, by that Indianapolis just put out there, I think they're going to try to replicate it. And I just, I think teams are going to get smart and they're not going to keep playing into this shootout mantra with uh, Mahomes. And I, I don't think he's going to be targeting Will Fuller downfield too many times, especially not 16 times. That just does not fit this mold. So I'll definitely sign I would up trade for him. 16 targets. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. No. If you can trade him, yeah, I, th- I think absolutely. I think season long he's going to, be a full second fiddle. Um, but I think this week, you'll have one more big game. Maybe after this week, I think, then trade him. Because, like you said, I think that they're still going to keep people like Duke Johnson involved in the offense for sure. Hopkins is going to be their guy. Um, Kiki Cootie's there, and he, he could p- play well going forward. He's at least a good third wideout. And I think that just makes Fuller harder to consistently execute as the deep threat. Yeah, he's I'm one of those low floor, high ceiling guys. He's definitely that. Sadly, though, the floor's caving in some weeks, and I just don't trust it. Don't like it. Yeah, I hate that whole style of receiver, and I'm going to transition my creeper for that reason, and that's going to be Robbie Anderson, um, owning 63% of leagues still, which is kind of surprising to me, considering how completely inept he's been with Darnold not here. Um, this does not look like a guy that I'm willing to invest in, especially considering his next three games are definitely not super easy. <laughs> Going up against New England, Jacksonville, and Dallas, and Dallas is this week. Um, I don't really see a matchup that I feel really comfortable playing him in as a flex until about week nine against Miami. So I think he's a guy that you definitely leave on the bench, see how the offense continues to function, especially based on the way the offensive line is grading right now. And Darnold is probably not going to be super sharp coming back from Mono. Uh I, I don't know. I, I just really don't think I like Robbie Anderson based on his low floor, high ceiling in an offense that doesn't facilitate passing nearly as much as a guy like Will Fuller. So I'm definitely look. I think you can cut him, but if you want to hold on to him and see how they play with Darnold, I, I can't blame you for that. But I think he's going to probably come up flat this week, and you'll probably want to cut him. So yeah, I'd definitely play Will Fuller over Robbie Anderson this week. However, I'm kind of going for the creeper montage because at a heart, I'm a guy that loves to trade. And I think the trading is ripe for Will Fuller, however. If you have Will Fuller and you're thinking Robbie Anderson or him, for some reason that's your situation, definitely Will Fuller. However, on the season, I'm taking Robbie Anderson because he's going to be my sleeper. Even this week, there's a chance against Dallas. Not my favorite chance by any means. Um, They're really limiting wide receivers on passer rating. So I would not start him unless I had the worst bye week situation possible. But just look back last season... Robbie Anderson through like week seven, week eight, everybody's like, man, what a dud. And they drafted him exactly where they drafted him this year. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. So Darnold started off so rocky this year. He's got mono, so he's not even playing. And then they just finished the season and Robbie Anderson was unstoppable, which got him as, you know, higher than I thought should have been a draft pick. But now this season, he's about to be a free agent now on the 60% ownage rate. I would definitely keep him on my bench just because we know what he's capable of. And, and Darnold's not been there, and this offense has been garbage. And at some point, they'll start clicking at least for some yards. And Robbie Anderson is easily the most talented receiver on that team. So for sure, I definitely think he's going to bounce out for some big games by the end of the season. And uh, yeah, don't play him through the storm pretty much, but you should have a bench spot, and he's well worth it. And uh, I say, I say sleep on him. Don't start him, though. I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I, I just don't like this general stretch. And like you yeah, said, the offense will, it will improve. I mean, Darnold's going to make it better. And the problem was they were on their third-string quarterback. Like, Simeon was there, and he was a right. quality backup at the time. Right. I mean, say what you will about him, but he at least has NFL experience. Yeah. And then he goes out immediately, so all the people that you gave the emergency snaps to couldn't even get to play. So it's yeah. been really rough trying to get him up to up to speed. It'll be better. And Anderson will probably have a couple of big games here and there. It won't be great, but it'll be better. Yeah, it'll be better. And if you really want to hold on to Anderson, I can't say you're wrong, because there's going to be a week or two down the stretch where he's probably going to be over 100 and a couple touchdowns, just because that's his style of play. I I just don't like that style of receiver overall. And I don't like their offense (laughs) with the Jets. No, it's it's a horrible offense. But but Gase will fix it. Um... (laughs) 
So, keeper. Uh, I'm going Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, he is still as talented as it gets. Slumped a little bit by how New England likes to distribute the ball. But he's going to break out soon. And he's going to end the season with such a... I think it's still going to be, when you look at his stats by the end of the season, it's going to be like, wow, what a bounce back season. And and, and really, I think, just my take on it, if, if I'm... J- I'm very thankful for the if I'm the Patriots organization just because of what they experienced with Antonio Brown because what a last you know lesson for Josh Gordon because he's like man if I screw up one more time that's me I'm that moron so like what a good message to have early on the season for Josh Gordon that I think hopefully he took it and he's like I'm going to learn from that and not cuz he's running he ran out of chances like three chances ago. Yeah, for real. But, I mean, he, there's no way he gets another one. And now this guy, Antonio Brown, has just torched the way. And, and Josh Gordon looks like he is just focused. It seems like every game there's a pass interference call. Or Brady, like last game, just misses him just a little bit when he's got the guy burned all the way downfield. And it just it just has not clicked yet. However, it's been there. And I think we see it break out this week. Against the Giants, uh, especially with Dorsett out with that hamstring injury on a Thursday night. He's not going to make it back, I don't think, in time. So it's going to be Gordon and Edelman, pretty much. And I don't know about Burkhead's status, but I think they take advantage of the Giants' offense. I mean, defense, especially their poor secondary. And I think yeah. Gordon breaks out in a big way this week and uh, really rewards everybody that's holding on to him and believing in him. I mean, you can't argue with the fact that Tom Brady has had some really good games this year. And considering the way that offense is functioning, they're going to need him to be good, um, especially with the Michelle's lack of efficiency. Um, James White has not been a red zone target by any means. He's been kind of just there, hanging out, doing okay. Edelman's had a big game here or there, but I think they know that if they want to be successful and put up big points in any game, Gordon's their best weapon to do that. Yeah. The only thing is... Will he be on the field by the end of the year? I hope so. And it looks more encouraging than I've ever seen from Josh Gordon, um, considering he's had so many chances for him to make it back this way. He would would have to be clean at this point. He must be tested like once a week based on his track record and those random drug tests. So we'll see how that goes. I can get on board with that. Well, this week, I lost a little bit of focus on my sleepers creepers because obviously I'd play Will Fuller over Robbie Anderson this week. But I guess uh, we're straying a little bit more close to this week with Josh Gordon that definitely play him. Uh, there's no way I'm leaving him on bench against that Giants team in this matchup. Yeah, I think there's real appeal there for sure. So um, One of the guys I'm saying I'm keeping is a guy that I had nowhere near my radar coming into this season, and that's DJ Chark. Mm-hmm. wide receiver from Jacksonville. He's only owning 74% of the league still. Please get on that. Uh, the fact that he's under-owned for Will Fuller at this point in the season is a little mind-blowing to me, considering yeah. <laughs> Chark has been automatic in every game so far this year, and Fuller had just a good game this last week. Yep. So, in my opinion, Chark's production, even though from a season long, might not look that much different. Um, I, to me, it's a completely different Yeah, tier. I think Chark is the Philip Lindsay had this season. I completely agree with that. He's the third-rated wide receiver right now in non-PPR on the season, only behind Chris Godwin and Amari Cooper. That is some elite company to be in from a guy that no one drafted that it was any in any of my leagues that I noticed, yeah. at least. Um, his catches per game have been a little low, and so that's why I've been a little slow on the efficiency for grabbing him, and I regret that deeply because I looked at Jacksonville as a run-first team with Westbrook probably being the primary receiver. And who's Minshew? And who the heck is Minshew? That's even probably the bigger point there. Right. But... Minshew looks very good, and this is clearly his favorite receiver. So as long as he's in this offense, I don't know why he isn't at least a wide receiver, too. Yeah, I like Chark a lot. I wish I would have picked him up and took the gamble, but alas, here we are. But yeah, yeah, don't be the... If he's still out there for some reason, definitely add him. Please do. I mean, he's not widely available, but he's in enough leagues to where it's kind of like 20% of you are getting a great acquisition. Mm -hmm. There's no way that he's not warranted on somebody's team at this point. Absolutely, unless they're in like a four-team league. Yeah, agreed. Um, but I will say that keep an eye on if Foles comes back to play. Westbrook was had all the rapport in preseason and training camp for being his favorite receiver. I think Foles is like legit way done for the season. Oh, I thought there were... I don't I think mean, they put him on IR to return. I thought it was IR, IR. I mean, maybe you're right. I just assumed it was like a collarbone and he'd be like a Tony Romo missing like six to ten weeks or I something. I think they shut him down for good. 
Okay. But we can we can verify that for our, our fans in a minute. Cool. And so we can we'll definitely get that verified. But if that's the case, that's the only way that I see Chark's value taking a dip. So Westbrook's still a good receiver and he'll get the ball, but man, he looks so good. Especially this week with New Orleans. Um People don't really run against New Orleans very well. So I think Chark is a, a very plus play again this week. So roll him on out there with confidence. Yeah, and also don't stray away from Fournette because it, they'll get the ball to him in space. I mean, there's just way too much volume to bench Fournette either Completely. at this point in the game. Completely agree. I wouldn't say it's a plus matchup for Fournette. No, it's not ideal, but don't bench him. But absolutely not, yeah. he He's far too much of a secure running back one based on volume plus, right. plus production plus right. goal line work. If you took Fournette in the third round, you have a better running back than Le'Veon Bell in the first round. Accurate. Season long, right now, yep. every week. All around. So, good for you. And and we all should have saw that coming as well. Because Jacksonville's a better offense, clearly, than the Jets, which is something kind of crazy to think about. It's weird to say. I and, mean... And the volume's equivalent, so... I knew volume would be equivalent this season for both, but my my thing was how healthy will Fournette stay this year? Where Le'Veon Bell's for the most part stayed fairly healthy for the most part, but not all the time. But yeah, definitely not automatic ACL, and you know, of course everybody recovers from that pretty much nowadays. But either way, injury history is there for every running back. One hundred percent. So I don't understand the draw on Bell, but it's all right. Here we are. Here we are. All right. Let's look at the quarterbacks. So we do have inter- information for you that John just looked up for Foles. Yeah, Foles is or was injured, placed on IR, but he is eligible to return around the estimated week 11 if everything goes right with his broken clavicle from him coming back. So there is a chance. But honestly, if Jacksonville continues to play this good offensively, I don't know There's no how way you'd ever put Foles yeah. back in, who's been a career backup, although Foles has probably deserved to be a low-end starter in the league. But there's some magic going on with Minshew, and I, I imagine he'll probably keep the job more likely than not. I would if I were them, but yeah. But I and guess also there's a, there's for a for Shark, remember that Shark got the touchdown pass from Foles before he went out with the clavicle. So yeah, his value won't go down the toilet. That's for sure. No, but I doubt I doubt we see Foles start again for the Jags this season, unless there's an injury to Minshew late on. But let's talk about quarterbacks now. That's our last big position. We don't like to talk, spend that much time about tight ends, so quarterbacks. Yes. And now we have to start keeper, right? Yes. All right. Who are we keeping? Do we agree? Probably not, because i got a twist for you here. I mm-hmm. have no keepers of our two selected plus our sleeper. So I have a sleeper for you, but I didn't have anybody to slot in there. If I was going to pick one, I'm going to pick Goff. As the, the keeper for this week. Basically be based on volume alone. But to me, there's a lot of risks there. And I think you could probably do better than Goff this week considering his interception problems as well as the super tough San Francisco defense right now. Um, so I would wait until his Cincinnati and Atlanta matchups to put Goff in his next two weeks right into that keeper category because I have him there. Because even if he continues to p- turn the ball over at this rate, he's still putting up about 15 points a game. Like... Just based on volume alone. So, in my opinion, I would put him as a creeper this week. But I guess if I had to pick someone of the people we had selected, it would be Goff as the keeper. Yeah, there's there's no way I'm playing Goff this week, period. Because all that volume is coming from a high tr- time of possession. And the 49ers are just going to not give him that. He's not going to have the volume this week. So he's going to have to be effective, which is something he's not been all season. Uh, San Francisco is going to take advantage of this 49ers team. Gurley doesn't look like Gurley, really, in my opinion, when I watch him play. Golf looks very inaccurate and very bad with his decisions. So I think San Francisco just dominates time of possession, and they stay undefeated this week. And there's just no way. Golf is better than Mayfield, for sure. But um, we just saw what they did to Mayfield, which is complete destruction. Yeah. So there's no way I'm playing golf confidently, nor thinking about it. But yeah, I'm keeping Philip Rivers for sure because he's okay. coming off of a horrible week. Still the best res- resources in pretty much the NFL when you look at what he's got to pass to. Um, I think they just got to feel this mesh and this rhythm because I think Gordon th- coming back does throw that off a little bit, although it doesn't really affect his wide receivers. But 
I think Philip Rivers right now is more thankful than anybody in the league that Chris Harris doesn't play for Pittsburgh because <laughs> he's shutting down everybody. I think he, yeah. in my opinion, from what I'm seeing and just watching games and then word of mouth, I think Chris Harris, is, he's definitely top five corner in the game and he's shutting down everybody, period. So Philip Rivers going to Pittsburgh, who Pittsburgh only, you know, they're very, they're a little bit, I think around 12, 12 most the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Two people that gave him a, you know, a little bit worse stats for quarterbacks as Garoppolo had a t- decently tough game, which is kind of surprising. But then um, Dalton got destroyed, I think. Yeah, hard. But Brady and um, who else they played, I forget, had very positive games. Wilson. Mm-hmm. And Phillip Rivers is going to keep it right up. I, he's going to bounce back hardcore. And there's, there's, he's a top 10 play for sure this week, Phillip Rivers, at home versus this Pittsburgh team that is not going to be able to put up a ton of points on and game flow is going to be just fine for Phillip Rivers. So, knock him up a few touchdowns and a nice bounce back game over that real bad week. I mean, I think you're probably right. But Rivers, especially last week, kind of scared me because I thought he was more of a matchup-proof guy around like a 15 point overall per week. And I thought there was enough weapons in the offense to be sustained based on Chris Harris even taking away Keenan Allen. I thought we'd see Mike Williams have a better game. Or Eckler break a, a lot. Well, you got, one, a, but. you got an injured Mike Williams and no Hunter Henry. And then Keenan Allen shut down. So there's really nothing much more there. Yeah. And I mean, in hindsight, you're totally right. <laughs> he only threw for 211 and two, two INTs last week. His first human game of the week. But Gordon definitely back will give him more balance in the offense, which to me only will hurt Rivers from a fantasy standpoint. He might be more effective because there will be more balance in the offense, but I don't know if he'll have the ability to throw for 300 yards as consistently. Um I, I just think he'll be fine and not really a lock of a quarterback play. Um, the way I've seen it was that Pittsburgh has played really badly on defense against Wilson and Brady in the first two weeks. So when you're looking at elite caliber quarterbacks from a talent standpoint, they are the ones that will get it done. The bad quarterbacks this year, which may, might be a little harsh, but Jackson, Dalton, and Garoppolo. So that's Lamar Jackson, Andy Dalton, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Those are three quarterbacks that are clearly a whole tier or two below um, Wilson and, and Brady and Rivers is clearly closer to that tier than the other two but also I think I would put him right in the middle so I think it makes him look a little bit questionable this week for fantasy purposes I view Rivers and Brady's synonymously they're the same they definitely have the same style quarterbacks and their weapons are probably edging toward Rivers having better ones but eh, I don't know that was also in week one when Brady I think played as well as he did against them and they've shaped up as the years gone along I'm just a little hesitant to play Rivers. I have him also in the keeper or creeper category for me this week. I try to look a little bit elsewhere. There's not. There's. A, I think if you look at the other options out there, you'll be swayed because there's not know. too many with buys and everything. I think I found two that I like better that are. Well, that's fine. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd probably play my sleeper over him as well. But we got to field a 12-team league. It's a little bit difficult. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, and he'll probably be owned in every league at ninety percent. So somebody playing him probably over Winston, a backup. playing him over Goff. A lot of these guys that people have been probably over Goff. I don't know. Like Goff and him, I view very similarly. It's just Rivers is safe. Goff has high enough volume to probably survive the really terrible matchup. But I don't know how he leaves with less than two picks, <laughs> probably like around two touchdowns or something, and if probably around three hundred yards if you're lucky. Maybe. We get to see how good this 49ers team is, and I've had yeah. the chance to watch two full games with them, and I do not think it's going to look pretty for the 49ers. San Francisco for the, is for the Rams. unbelievable. I don't like either one, Rivers or Goff, this week, so if you can look at somewhere else, I think it's definitely the smart move. Do you want your sleeper first, or should I go with mine? You can go for it. I'm going to go with my sleeper being Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's as, who I have. As surprising as it is to say that, but preseason, I still think that Kirk Cousins, or I still thought he had the ability to be a, a good fantasy quarterback, a low-end quarterback one almost any given week based on the weapons. It turns out it's been pretty rough uh, so far in the season, but the more I looked into it, the more I could see that I think there's real reasons for Kirk Cousins appearing to be as bad as he has been. What quarterback ends a game with 10 targets? In week one, he had 10 attempts. Right down downfield. Who's going to have a good game that way? Right. Who, who can get any in any rhythm? And the games that he's thrown the most this season, um, he's thrown against Chicago and Green Bay. 
that are just very good defense. Those are maybe some of the best pass defenses or toughest matchups you can mm-hmm. have as a defense in general. So it seems like as soon as they run into a good defense, they, they tell them throw a bunch, which is difficult considering I thought you should be leaning on your run game to carry you through a lot of those games. Well, they tried against Chicago and it just didn't work. Which Cook got destroyed. Yeah, and, and I'm not overly surprised. I no, mean, not Chicago's surprised. D is excellent. Uh, unless you're Oakland. I mean, I guess that's true. <laughs> For some reason, that was a weird one. Maybe the London Magic. I don't know. Since they were playing it out of uh, Chicago, out of the U.S., maybe got them all thrown off. Hard to say. I don't know. I feel like Zimmer is a very good coach, but sometimes I feel like he's thinking he's playing Madden. Yeah. Like, where it's like, well, yeah, I'm just going to be a run first team, which means I'm going to 80% of the time I'm going to run it, and we're going to win that way, and you just can't. I truly believe you cannot. And I think this is the week where, since we saw a little bit of life out of him, we know it's not Kirk Cousins being cursed. I mean, he played well. But Philly is a team that you, it's going to be difficult to abuse through the run, but it has been abused through the pass. Mm-hmm. And the weapons for Minnesota are clearly good enough with Diggs and Thielen. And with as squeaky a wheel as Diggs has been, I feel like they're going to have to get him involved soon. And uh, I think this might be, might be the week. And maybe even going forward, because, I mean, Diggs has a matchup against Detroit next week, which means Slay is up against Thielen, which might mean... Definitely airing it out to uh, digs at an elevated amount. So I think with this having a, a soft matchup in the next two weeks um, for Kirk Cousins through the air, softer, I should say, than what he's been playing against in most games, I think we're getting Kirk Cousins as a startable quarterback one this week. Yeah, I agree with you. I like him more than both the other guys we, m- we mentioned, but just mainly. Like, let's see. I can pull up a list right now for quarterbacks. It'll be three seconds. Let's see here. Do a little bit of research. Research in the research. Research in the research. So Pat Mahomes, we're looking at QB1. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. Matt Ryan at Arizona, for sure. Tom Brady versus New York Giants. Yep. Kyler Murray versus Atlanta. Atlanta's horrible. Dak Prescott against New York York Jets. Okay, so there's eight. Aaron Rodgers versus Detroit. Sure. (laughs) Carson Wentz, now we're here at 10, at Minnesota. I would say difficult, but maybe not a doomsday matchup. I'm sliding in Kirk Cousins there above him, actually. I think I would, too. And then, so that's quarterback 10. Mm-hmm. I would do Phillip Rivers before Carson Wentz at Minnesota. I would do Kirk, I would do Phillip Rivers above Jared Goff versus San Francisco. And I would do him above Jameis Winston um, against Carolina. So now I got him slotted at 11. Okay. I would probably go Winston over them against Carolina. It's not a great wow. matchup, but I would do it. After he just couldn't pass against New Orleans? Yeah. I mean, Winston's just Old weird. Strategy. Like, yeah. you have to absorb the duds because his ceiling is just unpredictable. Yeah, but I hate that. I, I, that's what I do with my wide receivers. I don't need a quarterback doing that to me. I mean, it's fair. I mean, I, I'm not saying, got to play Winston. He's my keeper of the week. All I'm saying is... I think he's a little less risky than Goff or Rivers in this particular matchup. A guy I feel even better in general. Winston's less risky? Yes. Don't use those words. I mean, from a logical standpoint, yeah. Against Carolina? He's struggled. Maybe, maybe it's worth the risk. Is okay, okay. I can go with use. worth the risk because he can't tear it up. Because Rivers is going to be pretty consistent against Pittsburgh. I don't think it's going to be his floor bottoms out. Right. He's miserable. But I think Minshew is an even better one, too. And we'll yeah, talk Minshew's, about him a little bit Minshew's later. Minshew's good, but he's coming up. Yeah. He's coming up. So I think I think you could definitely get away with not playing any of these people and still having enough, even in a twelve team league. That's true. Like it'll it'll be a little tough if you're in a twelve team league. Heck, I might even play Baker Mayfield against Seattle. Well, Wait. I guess the buys aren't too too bad as I'm thinking about it, because the buys are Brissett and the buys are Derek Carr and something else. So maybe there isn't that many people we really need to be talking this deep on quarterbacks, but Yeah. Maybe that's the case. There's a few mirages in there for sure. Buys will be coming. Yeah. But this week, we don't... Derek Carr and Brissett are streamers anyways. Heck, well, maybe that's maybe that's why all three of our names don't get played in your league. That's fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. But if you're really desperate, I think Kirk Cousins will probably outproduce both Rivers and yeah, Goff. I agree with He'll you. be available in almost all leagues, especially with the negative press that he keeps getting. Who's excited to play Cousins? <laughs> so, I think it, I think it's a pretty good matchup. Well, I mean, you just like you said on the season, it's just been an unfair, just a, obliteration of him. Like he's getting abused by both Thielen and Diggs in the media for being bad. His coach right. doesn't want him to throw, and I'm like, he had a career year last year. Yeah. His touchdown interception ratio is fine. 
I mean, his yards per game suck, but it's because his volume is so inconsistent. Yeah. You're a run first team, you're throwing underneath, you're not taking shots downfield, and he misses his two shots a game. Yeah. I just don't understand what people are seeing that indicates he's that terrible. I, I Yeah. Um, I'm going to say he's been less than what they expected, I think, when he came to Minnesota, and I'll agree with that. But mm-hmm. that's very unfair what's happened this, this far this season, because pretty much what their mindset was is, yeah, we're going to run the ball eight out of ten times, and then oh, wow, we can't do this and win, so now we'll rely on Cousins to win the game for us. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't stuffed, your game plan at all. Stuffed and, holding penalty. Yeah. Okay, it's third and 20. Get it, Cousins. Yeah. <gasps> oh, it was incomplete. You right. suck. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> Metaphorically, <laughs> that's what they've been asking him to do all season is to complete on third and 20. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Cousins. I don't know if he's clutch or not. I, I'm not going to say he isn't. I'm probably going to say he's not. But... Um, but he's yeah, still an NFL caliber quarterback. I don't know why people are getting he's so incompetent that we can't win games. I don't know. I think somebody they need to be shaking their heads at is going to be now I'm on the train. I wasn't so worried to begin the season, but I didn't know his volume was going to be this high. But now I think everybody's going to be shaking their head at Dalvin Cook is who they should be in a couple weeks because his body can't sustain this. He couldn't sustain 16 carries a game. And no. he's sitting here at like 27 touches a week. No. I mean... They, the, He's putting all the everyone in a terrible situation because you can't get rid of him when he's getting this much volume. Nope. Because if he holds it together for one season like this, it'd be incredible. He's a fantasy MVP from a draft point standpoint, where you're getting him in like the second or third round in some yeah. drafts, and then he ends up being a top three play. But also, man, I'd be a little scared. But you're not going to trade him for Christian McCaffrey or any any upgrade that exists out there. So he's about as good as it gets. But man, I think they're going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, what, he stayed healthy for 13 games in two seasons? Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll be like, well, we got Cousins, he'll get us there, and then he won't get us there because he just took away his run game again. <laughs> like, you got to find balance, Minnesota. If you found balance, you'd be a legit team. Absolutely you would. I don't know. they got to find balance. Well, are you ready to move on to a different segment? That was a lot of quarterback talk. Yeah. For two, three people that we decided when we looked at a list that we may not play the in top 12 quarterbacks. That's funny. Detail. I'm glad I pulled out that list. Maybe we should do that prior to like, are we talking about people that are actually relevant? Yeah. Are these a person that we really should play in a situation? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about improving, being better. And so hopefully we'll be better after this. Right. Who's, who's, uh, Jackson got this week. Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar Jackson's up against Cincinnati. Yeah. D- yep. Roll him out there. <laughs> I mean, he looks like, so beautiful, and so does Mark Andrews, who mean you don't really believe in. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you do more than I do. But. Yeah, I think Mark Andrews is the one person I believe in that in that offense en- enough. But I still don't think he's a top five type with Ingram. Sorry, but yes. I don't think he's quite top five. I think he's probably like the middle tier tight end. Yeah. Like, I think him and Evan Ingram season long at this point, I have him kind of put in the same general tier there. I'd have to look at it, but I could get on board with that. But, I mean, you look at their matchups in the first two weeks where all of this hype came from. Miami. And Arizona. Arizona. And two absolute garbage fire defenses. It's, it's literally like we, me and you just scrounged up some people in our neighborhood and like tried to play defense against them. Without yeah. pads, it's probably equivalent. <laughs> so, And did he capitalize? Absolutely. And he yeah, played to his weakness and dominated them. Right. Which is, A, attributing to how bad they were. But mm-hmm. also, B, he is a little better passer than I gave him credit for coming into the season. With that being said, you should only play him in soft matchups like Cincinnati. You know, and I agree with that. But at the same time, he's become a matchup proof just because of how good his floor is from running. Because even last week he got like, what, 18 points or something? With three picks and only like 100-something yards passing. True. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like a sad... I hate that for... That stuff kind of ruins fantasy some in in a slight way to me. It feels dirty to to play a person that passed truly poorly and put your your team in a hard position to win. Because you don't have three turnovers and play well. Right. But from a fantasy standpoint, he played better than, like, Dalton, who had 260 and two touchdowns or something. It's season long. Just like like Cook, his legs can't sustain that. I'm amazed he's lasted this long. Maybe this season, but career? He's going to have a short career unless he learns how to pass. Yeah. But Cam Newton will tell him that you'll never learn how to pass. 
I mean, it is interesting because I think you have to kind of use Cam Newton as a good example, a, as an example, because he's a guy that struggled with accuracy and excelled through throw or running. And when he was running well, it had to keep people accountable, and then you could throw downfield to mm-hmm. open receivers. And if they're open enough, if you're inaccurate, your people can usually run right. Ted the Ginn ball. could just run it down for him in that one successful year. But outside mm-hmm. of that one Super Bowl run year, Cam Newton's been real average, real average to below average, really. And definitely below average in accuracy. Yeah. Worse than the league, pretty much. And Lamar's running more than what Cam Newton seemed to. It was just that Cam Newton's runs were very effective and hard to stop when he did it. To me, it has to be an even shorter career further for Lamar Jackson. And he's a smaller body guy. The only person that transcends all of these people is Russell Wilson, who, when he's healthy, can run like them. But when he passes, he's just incredible. He's so much better. Like, he'll take what the defense gives him on a run. He doesn't force anything. It's not right. designed runs. And then he never makes a mistake. Yeah. So accurate. His decision-making is excellent. He can throw the ball downfield underneath. Immaculate season so far for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Like, when you're looking at as many touchdowns as he's had with no picks, getting the ball on the ground, passing downfield. Incredible. Yeah. With minimal wide receiver help. Because I don't think Ty- Tyler Lockett's all that. I... I'm starting to believe in him more, though, as the season goes along. He's impressed me as, with each game. Really has. Especially considering he was just a kick returner. Yeah, that's and, the real And now he thing, made, he, he was part of that immaculate reception last week that's like the best catch on the season statistically when they broke it down, like the least probability of being a catch. <laughs> in that like, back corner diving, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. They got a, they got a Their good... connection is incredible. Yeah, they, they, they do. Between the two. But yeah. I still don't think I would put Lockett in the top 15 most talented, 20 most talented wide no. receivers. No, I mean, Russell Wilson makes him. Mm-hmm. It makes anybody there. Yeah, I mean, try to put DK Madcalf in Cincinnati right now, and I don't think he's very successful. Maybe he is because his competition is too grand. I mean, DK Madcalf's a freak, but like... The thing that I was told was that his three-cone drill was terrible. So his agility is not very good from the combine standpoint. Yeah. Like, I believe, I think this is what I heard, his three-cone drill was slower than Tom Brady's after the combine. See, I just, I, I don't believe that. I just don't. Well, wasn't he coming back from injury, too? I mean, maybe. I think it would help explain some of this, but... But at least, like, he's talented enough to actually run a three-cone drill. Because <laughs> the Cincinnati receivers are like... Hey, that guy. Just pretty much Igor out there dragging a foot around when they're trying to get around these kills. Right. Let's give... Golden Tate's a good receiver, so that Auden guy has the same last name, so we'll try him. Let's go for it. Yeah. He's huge. Of course Look he's at him out there. I mean, he's playing well, but still, at the same time, it's just a bunch of just... Yeah. I mean, that's the problem, ones. is that they're using people that are super raw because they're undrafted free agent people, or people that lack physical talent in one way or another. And they're like, go out there and be an NFL caliber player, and yeah. they're, they're just not there yet. Let's wrap up this podcast. <laughs> you're, you're right. Tangents. Tied in, take away. Tied what do you got? Ends. I'm going to go with O.J. Howard... I cannot really continue to believe in him at this point. He's owned in 79% of leagues, but he's just simply not involved in this offense. And yeah. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I don't know if I could play him. I think if you cut him, I would have a very hard time figuring out a reason at he all besides yeah. he should be better than this to, for why you should hold on to him. He's clearly not a focal point in getting him involved in the offense, and Winston's not a good enough quarterback to continue to get him involved even if he's not a part of the game plan. So... I think he has to at least remain on your bench for the near for the f- future until he at least puts up one good game. But if you cut him for somebody like Jared Cook, who's available in more leagues, that would be great. But the more you look at the tight end depth out there, there's not a ton of great plays. So maybe you just hold on to him and try to stream matchups until it works out. Yeah, I don't know. But I might even trust Jason Witten as much as him at this point. And I hate to say that because he's clearly better than him. Yeah, it's all looking good. But what is looking good for my tight end takeaway is Hunter Henry doing jogging and being present at practice now for San Diego. I think we see him within a few weeks. And uh, whereas O.G. Howard didn't pay off, I think Hunter Henry comes back and finishes the season strong. Gives you some good weeks. I think he's a great investment. Yeah. Cool. We took away the tight end. Let's do it. Which takes us to studs and duds. Yeah. Now we're making up for the lost ground of our jibber-jawing about tight ends <laughs> and quarterbacks. We'll, we'll try to be efficient. <laughs> but we're going to talk about one more tight end, even. Can you oh, believe another that? another one. 
Go for it. Are you are you ready? I didn't want to cut off your intro. I'm no. just so excited about tight ends. Who knew? Wait, are you got another tight end takeaway? No, just oh. the duds and duds. We got oh, a tight okay. end included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the number one transaction transactions will go by Yahoo because of you know frequency of players is increasing. It's kind of an up and up thing, and let's, let's keep riding it. We've always done Yahoo together. So number one, when it comes to ads and transactions this week, Gerald Everett, tight end, stutter dud. I gotta go dud. Yeah, dud. Uh, owned in 12% of leagues right now, and it's been incredible what he's been able to accomplish the last two weeks. With yeah. 11 targets last week and eight this week. But before that, he had four, two, and one yeah. in the previous two, couple of games. They were running tight end screens to him earlier on in the season, which is A, my least favorite play that you can ever run in 90% of offenses. Right. But B, I don't think he was even really being involved that highly, and he wasn't being thrown downfield that way. Um, but this week was a little odd. He had seven catches for 136 yards in this last game, and I think it's a bit of a fluke considering the previous week when he had eight targets was the week when Goff set like, the attempts passing. like He was in the top five ever for yeah. a game. So that is not going to be sustainable for him. And that was only eight targets in a game where they threw, like what was it, I, I would have to look, but like over 60 times. Yeah. So to me, Everett... There's worse flyer dartboard throws you could have. Absolutely. If you wanted to stream, but it's San Francisco this week, and Mm -hmm. it's a highly limited week this time, and I just don't think he's even in the top five targets in this offense. I think Gurley, Cooks, uh, Woods, Woods, and Cup are all clearly the real options in this offense. So I would say, Dud, you can leave him out on the waiver wire. Yeah, he's a dudder. This is the first time I've got us dud. A stud. A, a, a stud? Yeah. Ooh. Because I think he's every bit a dud, but Chase Edmonds being the second most added, if only this week, pretty much, if Johnson sits out, he'll be a stud because it's such a cakey matchup. Couldn't agree more. I was going to have a really long-winded, difficult explanation of this because I was gonna, basically going to say he ran well last week against Cincinnati, which yeah. should not be weighted as anything important. Right. But if he starts, he is the guy, and he's going up against Atlanta, which you love to see. So if he plays this week against Atlanta as the primary back with no David Johnson, he is clearly a flex player better. Yeah. So pick but him up. Outside of this matchup, there's not many weeks, even if he is the guy where I play Chase Evans. I completely agree. Unless he just transcends my thinking. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, I he's utilizing the pass game plus rush game, so he fits David Johnson's mold well. But that's really the only appeal I can see from him. <laughs> like, he's really not getting involved at all earlier on in the season. He had no more than six carries in any game earlier on this season. So, yeah. Hard to call him a, a stud. But if he gets full-time playing time, I'm willing to roll the dice on him. Oh, for sure. All right, number three. And I got to go stud on this guy. Garner Minshew, the legend, is growing every week for Garner Minshew. Absolutely. 16 points plus in every game this year. Only one interception, which was in his first game, coming off the bench, not even being ready to play. He's had two touchdowns in every week except for week two, which he had one. Um, His low yardage totals are a thing. There's clearly a run-first team, but he's been so effective at what he's been doing. And then last season, he broke the ceiling from his previous games with a 374-yard effort with two touchdowns and no picks. I mean, he's got a soft schedule with New Orleans and Cincinnati in his next two games. I think he's a guy you could pick up for sure and stream him at least for two games. But even if you keep him as a backup quarterback going forward, you could do much worse as an injury replacement or a bye week option going forward. You know my claim is that Gardner Minshew right now is better than Baker Bayfield has ever been. Combing my mind for any reason to why I should disagree with you. Baker Bayfield is the most puff piece player <laughs> I've ever seen. He had like five good drives last season and everybody's like, dude, this is the guy. And he still finished six and seven as a starter and it's like <laughs> and then yeah. this season is just magnified. But And I mean the Cleveland team is got good. OBJ. Like legitimately deep. Like Njoku's a pretty okay, like maybe above average receiving tight end. He has his flaws, but whatever. But he's done. Oh, he's not in there. But that's sure. okay, but he's still got Landry. Landry's excellent as an underneath receiver. And, and then and Chubb's doing OBD. everything he can to make them commit to run stop, too. Yes. I mean, he looks every bit the piece. Easily the best Cleveland player in that last game. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. The script is there. I think Andy Dalton even looks good in a Browns uniform. <laughs> Probably. 
I mean, OBJ, Landry, and Chubb with a pretty decent offensive line? You're killing me, Baker. It is It is amazing how commercials consistently are okay. average His commercials are pretty good, though. Commercials are okay. And I, I mean, his floor isn't miserable. Like, he, he comes out and does things, but he has had, he's not had one notable game yet this season. Maybe my opinion just swayed because he's going through, like, a Rocky two moment where, like, Stallone's trying to make all those commercials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. He's just a joke when it comes to boxing. Okay, I see what you're saying. Right. There's a chance. Maybe Baker's just trying to make some funny commercials. And he forgot, you know. Oh, wait, I gotta he forgot study Adrian. and prep and develop a chemistry with OBJ. and He forgot Adrian. Spent too much time with Polly. Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Maybe you're right. I'm getting off that train. Yeah. If you're starting Mayfield this week, please don't. don't do it. Please don't. He's owned in way too many leagues based on what his fantasy production's been. That's yeah. for sure. Cool. Your segment, man. All right. We're heading into the fantasy foresights where we're going to be talking about our projections for this next week, who will be leading in a lot of different fantasy characteristics and categories. So, first off, we're going to go over who has the most passing yards this week. Will it be Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, or Garner Minshew? So very fun questions, and we added a question this week to kind of add some intrigue to our to our stuff, and you'll hear that question coming up at number four. Going over last week's, though, Goff, Mr. Inaccurate himself, really, um, kept his volume, mm-hmm. led in passing yards. So beat out your pick at Matt Ryan, beat out my pick at Mahomes, and now Mahomes has been eliminated from the question just based on stats. Yeah, he had his first off game of the year. Receiving yards, Chris Godwin blew us away. For sure. And then McCaffrey, I'll did my fernet, and uh, you you had the right call there because he just ran all day long. <laughs> he was he's absolutely unreal. So so nice nice way to stick with your man there. Passing yards this week, golf remains because he won last week. Prescott added because he was the leader in, in passing yards, which I just didn't realize that when I watched that game. And then Watson yeah. and Minshew. Huh. I'm going Watson at Kansas City. Me too. Watson against Kansas City is hard to argue with. They got game flow matchup. I mean, when Fuller's playing that well, regardless of what you say about the frequency at which it happens, it only will make Deshaun or DeAndre Hopkins harder to double cover. Yeah. So I think Watson's the main beneficiary from this, for sure. All right. So now we're heading into who will have the most rushing yards this week, not total yards, which is what brought up a very interesting question when I was looking this stuff up because I was like, wait. Where's Aaron Jones? One name is missing. <laughs> yes, Aaron Jones. Yeah. Somehow is not within the top four rushing yard leaders, although he would be second or third in total yards. So, anyway, we're, we're talking rushing yards only for this. Yep. So, our people this week were Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Chris Carson, or Matt Breida. Yep. That's the, that's the picks. I'll keep going first. I'm fine with that. I don't like McCaffrey versus Tampa Bay this week because A, cramping up because he's more, way more durable than Cook. Not even a comparison to those. But nobody, yes. no human can run that much. Um, he's no. going to be feeling some fatigue in the weeks to come. And that's okay. He's still a great play. But Tampa Bay is really the most efficient run-stopping team right now in the NFL at 3.1 yards per carry. And then Cook going up against Philadelphia is just about as stout at at the second fewest, and that's three point mm-hmm. two yards per carry. Both of those terrify me. And Mister, I can't hold on to the ball is not fumbling <laughs> anymore, and getting you know over a hundred twice now in two weeks. So I'm going to take the odds there and say that Chris Carson against Cleveland, who's just offense looks pitiful, and they're five point two yards per carry against the opposing rushing. I think they just feed the ball to Carson. Okay. Yep. Okay. This is really hard to me because I mean I can see literally anyone and then, leading it. And Brita's an okay play, but I just don't think he's got the volume to <sighs> against Los Angeles. Yeah. Like I could see him breaking a couple long ones and getting it because they've just been running so well for San Francisco. It just defies all logic to me mm-hmm. that literally anyone that touches the ball, they're successful there. But like you said, too many bodies. It's hard for me to bet on that. Um, but I'm going to go hesitantly McCaffrey. I agree with you. De- definitely a hard matchup. Definitely going to be exhausted from the previous week as well. But we're just going to hope that he keeps doing what he's doing. And he's getting the volume for sure. I just think the game flow f- filters out Dalvin Cook a little bit more based on w- the way I'd run the offense at least. It would be throwing more with Cousins this week. 
Um, Cook will be an excellent fantasy play, don't get me wrong, but I think I think McCaffrey edges him out. Chris Carson is very intriguing as well, but I'm leaning toward... I think I'm just going to go with McCaffrey over Carson in the harder matchup. I'm going to go talent over opportunity. Okay. That's cool. We'll see if I, I suck. Yeah, I think you got a point lead on me now, so I'm hoping that one sways my way. Yeah, I mean, we got enough separation. <laughs> the season is young. Um, all right. So now we're moving on to most receiving yards from these players this week. We got Chris Godwin. Keeps surprising me every week. Amazing. Amari Cooper off of his huge game. Uh, Michael, or I mean, sorry. Uh, Will. Will Fuller. Woo. That brain farted. We talked about him four times, but... Will Fuller, uh, the wide receiver from Houston, or Michael Thomas? I didn't do any research on this one, and uh, I don't know why. I did it on all three of the other questions, but not this guy. And um, So now I'm just going to go Amari Cooper because I'm a, just a fanboy of Amari Cooper. Okay. Against the Jets' horrendous secondary, I, I'll take him. Although I like Godwin, too. Yeah, I like Godwin. Cooper is... It doesn't have a lot of risk to him at this point, especially with uh, Zeke not getting the rushing success that I really expected him to this season. Yeah. So they've been ha- they've been forced to be more balanced, and Cooper is the main beneficiary of that. But I think I'm going to go with Fuller. Actually, I'm going to believe in the sleeper, and I'm going to pick Fuller against Kansas City, and that Watson will elevate everyone in that offense. I think Hopkins leads this team, but I don't think Michael Thomas rebounds again with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, even though he's been defying my logic. I think he's the leading receiver in the league so far this season with wide or with receiving yards, even with the injury to Breeze, which is amazing. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go fuller. Yeah. I feel like we both just missed that one and it's gonna be Godwin again. But we'll see. <laughs> I just keep waiting for Mike Evans to just take over in that particular event and Howard be relevant because how has Godwin clearly been the number one in almost Well every what's game? hurting Evans is how bad that offensive line is too. And and not only he's got corner one coverage and Chris Godwin's mm-hmm. very talented, so he's getting open. But they cannot let a play set up in Tampa Bay. I was reading stuff about that, and like it just it's horrible. So not only is it Winston, but it's also that line just gives nothing for and even Evans operates it you know deeper. Godwin's underneath, so he's at least mm-hmm. gotten getting a chance to get open. But that adds up. Yeah, but it'll it'll ride its ship. Evans is too talented. I agree. And for the last part of this segment, we're doing something new, like Paul mentioned earlier. Um, we're talking about the most points in a PPR super flex, which is basically what, like us saying, you can play any p- player in this position. So who will be the true most fantasy points overall? This you said week? half PPR, right? Sorry, I did say full PPR. Half PPR. Half PPR. Good clarification. Um, and so our guys in half point PPR super flex, so we're talking any player at any position, Mike Evans... James Conner, Joe Mixon, or Marcus Mariota. And, and you may laugh at some of these names, but these these names we picked from a pretty good source that are sequentially um, ranked, I think, 48, 49, 50, and 51 in, in a half PPR super flex. So we're not just pulling random names out of a hat. And... Um, I'll just keep going first. Marcus Mariota, we just saw what Phillip Rivers happened to him against Denver. Yeah. And now Mariota's going up against Denver with Chris Harris in Denver, so no thank you. Yeah. Mike Evans in his career always kind of struggled against Carolina. I don't bench him by any means, but he's got a history of struggling against Carolina. Joe Mixon in Baltimore, which Baltimore does give up points, but Mixon just kind of did somewhat okay against Arizona, and that's much easier. Yeah. And James Conner, it's looking like for the first time, he's going to get hit with a questionable tag this week. Going up against Los Angeles, who's been below average against the run. And we're talking about half PPR, and I think Conner's got a good chance to to get some catches as well. And I'm going James Conner. I see it. I can feel it. But I disagree. I'm going to go with – I'm completely with you on Mariota, though. Like – Usually, you're, I'm always going to lean toward a quarterback in these situations just because quarterbacks can gain so much more points in general mm-hmm. as an overall thing. But like you said, Mariota, I don't know if I could feel less confident in a quarterback that I could play. He was ranked highest out of these four people. And 
I'm not overly surprised just based on quarterbacks being a default generally better, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think I don't see it. Not against Denver, not like you said, not, not after Philip Rivers struggled. Chris Harris is stifling right now and there, and they have pass rushers, so it'll be harder for him to probably get things set up. Mixon, like you said, going up against Baltimore, their defense is worse than what you think. They have regressed a little bit this season, but that offensive line for the Bengals is not good. Their offensive balance isn't good. I can't trust Mixon at this point in the season. And so to me, it's down to Evans and Connor, and I'm going to go with Mike Evans. I believe this is the Mike Evans coming out party um, in comparison to equaling things up a bit with Godwin. I think he gets gets his. I think he has at least a touchdown and over 80 yards. Um, and I like him. I, th- I think it is a tough matchup, and like we all talked about, Winston, very hard to trust. Yeah. But I think Evans is too good a player to be kept down. I'm going to go with him in half-point PPR. And that's it. That's it. Would have been a, a you know succinct episode had we not talked about quarterbacks, but hopefully you found it entertaining. But yeah. <laughs> the quarterback landscape is uh, got us on tilt apparently <laughs> with the way things are. Well, enjoy, it, guys. Uh, keep listening to us because our point totals. Sadly for John, I mean, done everything I can on his average of more points than most humans in some of his leagues. <laughs> but sometimes luck, it, you know, lady luck's going against us. So I'll say that. Our point totals, very above average so far this season in our, all of our leagues. Yeah. I think the feedback's good. And uh, we try to talk about different players all over the league and try to yeah. give you our input on them, which is going to help. Uh, a lot of times your draft kind of pigeonholes you into certain players being the impact of your team, like poor Saquon Barkley owners that drafted him up so high, not getting any of that production. That's not their fault. I would have definitely recommended drafting him. Sometimes it's the way the cookie crumbles. Exactly. So don't let your cookie crumble, and we'll talk (laughs) to you next week. Glue it together. (laughs) Adios. Adios. Good luck.